This is the Helena Hancock Podcast, episode 61. Eurostar fun and games. Kindergarten cops say get your hair cut. Nightmare on the high street. It must be Christmas. Podcasting live from the North Pole. This is Gary, Patrick and Heather helping Santa get ready to bring joy to the world on Christmas Day. Oh, Gary, now I've got an image of you in an elf costume. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. I, I think even if you had that message, I wish you, um, image, I wish you'd kept that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look nice, actually. Huh? It would suit you. Yes, and and you and your Mrs. Claus outfit, Heather. <laughs> yeah. I think that would. Yeah. I think that would be wonderful. I thought I was feeling sick from the snow. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> oh dear. Well, you know, Christmas is just about upon us, and uh, you know, joy is being spread all over the land and beyond through the Eurostar Tunnel. Um, we're waking up. We're recording this on Saturday morning, and uh, we're waking up to the news that the Eurostar has failed. Finn. Big time, yeah. Finn, indeed. Um, apparently more than 2,000 people have been evacuated from the Eurostar trains that were trapped in the Eurostar tunnel after a uh, channel tunnel even after breaking down due to cold weather. The trains are believed to have failed as the cold air in northern France entered the warmer air inside the tunnel. Bullshit! Um, the four trains what was that? Had been <laughs> moved from the again. <laughs> The four trains had been moved from the tunnel and passengers were transferred to Ingerland, um, and uh, some passengers were evacuated to shuttle trains that carry vehicles across, but others were stuck overnight. Yeah, and I've been watching the interviews as you do, you know, they always interview people, but the thing that strikes me that really just makes me so mad is that what the pe- people who were trapped were saying is that they had no idea what was happening and the staff just did not appear at all. So they had no water, no food, no electricity all night, you know, and you just think, and do you know what is also interesting is that on all these trains, what ended up happening was just a person who was a passenger would ended up taking over and trying to help people. And on one train, there was like some passengers who happened to be doctors who were helping people because of course they didn't have air. So some people started to get quite unwell. Um, you think, you know, why don't they train their staff? Why are, don't they have emergency procedure kind of preparation and training and know what they're doing? I just found it quite extraordinary. It just, oh. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's just the depressing familiarity of the story, isn't it? You know, yeah. every time something like this happens, it's always, there was no information, no one told us what to do, we were stuck for 700 hours, you know, every yeah. time. Yeah. And it's just like, how can this happen every time? And I saw the chat from the Eurostar was saying, oh, it was unprecedented weather, and it's like, no, it wasn't. No, I've it really seen, wasn't. I've seen this snow before. It's like, <laughs> okay, just, just, just for a moment or two, just for a moment or two, I'm going to to entertain the idea that five trains simultaneously broke down together okay i'm going to suspend my belief in in what can happen in the world and i'm going to actually believe that five trains can all on the same night within a few minutes of each other all break down on the same track and okay. have this conversation yep. um so you're no, on this well, of course they can because it's um it was the power failed no the power didn't fail well, they, they had no they power never, on the they, trains. They had no power on the trains, but they said it wasn't. They said the trains broke down due to cold weather. 
Oh, I thought it was the no, no, one train. Okay, so there's already misinformation and disinformation. This is brilliant. Um, so <laughs> I'm getting right into the whole um, conspiracy theory thing today. Um, I, I, I just can't buy it. I, I, I mean, I, I want to have the conversation about what, what, the, what they. Um, what what happens in this situation and and i do believe that um from on high they probably would say okay well we're going to give information we want to be consistent across all of the incidents that are going on so let's not say anything on the trains and um you know what we're going to get stuff happened, out Gary? i have absolutely no idea um but i don't i, I just i just can't believe that five trains all break down because what, what i saw some passengers saying is that um one train their train broke down or one a train broke down in front of them then they started to reverse back and then their train kind of broke down and then other trains broke down and then there was nobody coming along with um you know evacuation stuff no no they didn't know what was going on at all yeah so what happened? What what actually happened? Know. And people but, had to they were just walking off the trains themselves and things. <laughs> it almost sounds like um uh, you know you, you say Patrick that um somebody took control. It, it's almost like I I, I I've watched Lost, I'm going to be Jack. Oh, well, no, I think it, I think it was just that that always happens, doesn't it? And again, as Patrick says, that's a depressing familiarity because the staff are so inept on the trains that they just <clears throat> the staff didn't even walk through and say to people, "Look, it's okay. This is what's happening." They had no idea, and um, of course, it was like on one of the trains, it was some off-duty police from Ashford who actually took over, and then on another train, it was some other guy who actually found the tannoy and spoke over the tannoy to people and it was just a passenger. I mean, it is quite extraordinary where it's were this... Yeah, like, what are they doing? Yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. It's like, I suppose uh, what they're told is not to say anything in case passengers start rioting. Uh, that's what... It'll be something like that, you know. Yeah. So that, so that some passenger doesn't start screaming, we're all going to die and there's a yeah. stampede. So they're told <laughs> to say nothing, you know. It's like, yes, which of course makes things much worse. Yeah. But it's like, I, you know, because I have a fear of flying and I've now developed a newfound fl- fear of trains this morning, but my fear of flying leads me to watch these documentaries about what it's like being on a plane crash just so that I can get some sense of control. And they always say how the staff seem to have no idea so you would think that they're completely trained and you know it's the same in, in planes that apparently the staff go running around going we're all going to die and they don't <laughs> they don't even help people get off the plane or anything all the people who survive are always the ones who just get themselves out and- you always think because you know in your own job you you have control over what you do and you have contingency plans you know that if something goes wrong you know who's going to take control you know what's going <laughs> to roughly happen there is a plan of action if the fire Fire alarm sounds. You know where the exit is. You know that. Yeah. Um, so if you're on a, a a tunnel, a concrete tunnel under, you know how many tons of water above you, then you hope that if that train stops, that immediately a button is pressed and a plan goes into action. That somebody knows what's going to happen. That somebody is woken up from their bed and will be jumping into another train that will go through the service tunnel. And even if they can't get you out right now, that they can bring you water and sandwiches which they know where they're yes, going to exactly. get them from that that stuff is on standby yeah. in a, like a nuclear bunker type situation why did that not happen 
No, I agree. Yeah, exactly. And also, why don't the trains... I mean, I know they're probably stuck for space, but they were saying that these trains had nothing. They had no drinks, no food. And you would think that you would have, like, emergency... You know, even one cupboard that was used for emergency stuff and just restocked. You know, you could just, like, move the stock around. That, to me, seems quite normal or and sensible. the service tunnel. You have a service, service, a service vehicle, yeah. which is just sitting there, an emergency vehicle, which... If the train breaks down and they know they can't get you out of there in a couple of hours, that this train will go along with like four or five staff on it and they will come along with, you know, good cheer, good messages. We're working on this. We're going to get you out. We're really sorry about this. But here's, you know, yeah. here's, here's um, you know, um, some um, pre-packed food for you. Yeah, it's just and like a bottle of water. Up. Yeah, exactly. This stuff isn't and hard. Then- it's not hard. Yeah. No, and they manage it in other services. I mean, the area that I work in, you know, if the fire alarm goes off, people do seem to just, and it's it's obviously I've only ever experienced it a few times over the years, but people do sort of calmly just leave and, you know, get people out and do whatever they have to do. And I've never seen this kind of nonsense. It does seem to be like planes and trains and, you know, because, of course, we've probably all had situations where we've been on trains that have broken down inexplicably for sort of hours on end and the same sort of things happened. I mean, I've never had anything, this is is much more horrific because the thought of being so I've, I've not been too bad on the trains actually because you know I travel quite a lot and, and yeah generally they're, they're not too bad for communication these days but um, but yeah it used to be awful yeah, yeah. and you know I, I saw some people being interviewed on the TV this morning this woman almost broke down in tears on the BBC News but she did break down in tears it was fairly horrific to watch that she just I had this that, yeah. awful um, holiday that uh, half of Disneyland was closed down and and, you know, <laughs> so and, and her son had been made redundant and you know she's having a tough time and you know this was the icing on the cake and it was it was nothing nothing we've done and I, I just found it a bit like um, you know she'd already been involved in a train wreck and now suddenly we're in a car wreck on TV because she's breaking down and having this, you know, um, personal moment on TV, and I, 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 to, I don't think the BBC cut away from that fast enough. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, when when somebody has a bit of a breakdown like that, you just need to move away because we're not voyeurs. Actually, yeah. yes, on on twenty four hour rolling TV, we are, and they love that kind of thing, but we shouldn't be. Yes, quite. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I did feel really sorry for her actually. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, we look forward to this story um, continuing. I'm sure we've got... Uh, I'm sure it'll um, happen again. <laughs> probably, probably. Um, maybe Heather can give us her personal experience from when it does. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be dining out on it for the rest of your life, wouldn't you, if you said, I escaped from the Eurostar and walked through the tunnel? Yes. Yes, true. <laughs> yeah, your after-dinner uh, speaking engagement business will just take off. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things. I won't say that, actually. That's a bad taste joke. Okay, yeah, thank you. Move, I won't. Move on. Okay. Uh, thank you for not saying that. Then that's something I don't have to edit. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> um, so um, that, that would be a horrific experience that will be with you for the rest of your life, to which you um, um, would be able to dine out on. And this is one that from the tender age of four, a young boy will be able to dine out from, um, maybe even on solid food when he grows up a bit. Um, but a four-year-old boy with long hair has been suspended from, kinder- from pre-kindergarten because his hair breaks the school district's dress code. The boy sports a haircut that's long on the front and sides and covers his ears and 
shirt collar, therefore breaking the dress code. His punishment is an school in-school suspension where he has to sit next to a teacher uh, in the library while his friends play outside and sit together in a classroom. Little Taylor said, They kicked me out of that place. I miss my friends. <laughs> the parents are annoying scummers. What? I think you wrote that, Patrick. <laughs> That's not oh, part of should, the story in the story. better. <laughs> Do you think? But poor little just, lad. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. Poor little no, boy. But, but you know, it's, it's I mean, not the boy's fault. Of course, it's all the parents' fault. But I don't see what's wrong with having um having long hair I mean what's wrong with a boy having long hair the girl I, I do you know I mean like, okay if they said they suspended all the girls in the class with long hair then fair enough but you know why shouldn't he have the, I'm sure that the girls have got collar length and longer hair and it's fine I don't yes, see but, what the problem is but I think the, the issue is that if the parents had said well we don't agree with the rule so we'll send him somewhere else or we'll we'll raise an objection to the rule you know through the, the right channels blah 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 and yes I, I agree it's um, it's possibly a sexist rule yeah but sexist. you know but it's this whole thing oh I can ignore the rules you know because he's my son and he'll do what he likes type of thing it's that yeah. attitude you know yeah but in, in the end though they, they did do the right thing and they cut his hair and donated it to a charity that makes wigs for cancer patients so all's good in the end right yeah I'm sure yeah. I'm going to do that first <laughs> you know until I yeah. had an eye on the publicity machine I mean I do agree with you Patrick because if you send your child to a school I mean even if you know obviously if it's like a public school that says they have to wear this particular uniform and they and this uniform involves boys having their hair cut to a certain length and girls wearing their hair tied up usually isn't it so I, I agree that if you send your child to that sort of school you have to you have to abide by it or just go somewhere else yeah yeah no, I totally agree with you there Yes, so, anyway. <laughs> yes, well, did you hear about that other four-year-old boy, the drunk one who burgled the house? What? Oh, my God, no. Have you not seen this story? No. I've only just remembered it when you were talking about four-year-olds. But, uh, you know, it was in America, and um, his mother, needless to state, drunk out of her head, had fallen asleep in the um, in the room. And he, he nicked her can of beer, got drunk, went next door and burgled the house at the age of four. Oh my god! And he, he, you know, and the American social services have decided to leave him with the mum. So, I offer that without comment. Yes. <laughs> NBC News say Tennessee police are investigating the case of a beer-drinking, cross-dressing burglar. They've already got the man, <laughs> and he's only four years old. I don't know how a four-year-old could think of this, said uh, Logan Pugh, who was sleeping inside a friend's home in Chattanooga, a suburb of Hickson, Monday night when the little Grinch broke in. He got in and out of the house without waking anybody up. Yeah, they That's well. But you know, the, the scary thing about that is that, well, I mean, you know, this is casting aspersions when there's absolutely no evidence, but it makes you oh. wonder whether he, the child's been um, taught how to break in by an adult. Well, yes, that's probably yeah. true as well. <clears throat> Because, of course, you know, that thing of, like, where people only have really small windows for their bathrooms and things and they leave them open. So some, you know, scummy parents teach their children how to get in through those windows so they can go and open ups for the parents I to... He's four years old, isn't he? His mother's 20. So, again, you can draw your own yeah. conclusions from that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, not all teenage parents are like that, but, you know, it, it does yeah. make you wonder... 
Yeah. It's anyway. not clear at this time if charges will be filed in the case. But yeah, I bet when he's older, he'll be like that. Um, what's his What's the name? Um, oh, you know, Sarah Palin's son-in-law, and he'll go out with a uh, shirt yes. saying "cross-dressing drunk burglar." Yeah. It's it's it sounds a dream come true, doesn't it? So on to real news. Did you watch X Factor last week? I did. No, actually, I was out. But, yeah. but I was good. I turned over and watched Small Island before the result. So <laughs> I was not going to be sucked in now that Jedward couldn't win. No, I was. I was. I was sitting somewhere where there was no TV, so I had to find an internet channel that was streaming it, <laughs> which was quite good fun. Um, but I did watch it, and that must uh, be illegal, surely. I don't believe so, because actually, this why? Why is that illegal? Is it not ITV's copyright? You know, well, if you're watching ITV online, that would be all right. Yeah, yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. oh, so do ITV actually put it out online? I yeah, yeah, BBC do that as well. Oh right, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, you go can ahead. watch. You go onto their website and you can watch what they're um what they're broadcasting. Oh, but well, not if you. you're not in Britain. But Gary no. was, I believe, in Britain. I was. <laughs> I was. Scotland is still sort of Britain. As part exactly. Of Britain. Just, for the next about. few months, anyway. Yeah, yeah. not for much longer. <laughs> no, so maybe in a year's time, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, okay, so uh, Joe won, and now it's Joe against Rage Against the Machine. Oh dear. You know, I mean, I don't really know what to think about this story because part of me thinks, you know, we've had a victory for Bland again and we could have had a victory for interesting, fun people. Are you um, talking Chadwood, seriously? Yes. Really? Oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, so I've had a, a, a victory for Bland. So, you know, obviously you don't really want that to be number one. But, A, you don't want all these pub bores who, you know, probably 40-something, failed musicians, still got their guitar at home thinking they're young again, you know, going, oh, it's all about the music, man. You know, so let's download a, a ridiculous yeah. song from some, you know, corporate American thickheads who've never been heard well, of since they You don't like Joe's The Climb? I don't like either of them. Well, well, the thing is that I I think that the choice of song is a bit of a fail because I agree with you. The the people that they're actually they've chosen Rage Against the Machine are billionaires, and they're you know yeah, and they have the yeah, system. <laughs> I mean, they're they're kind of Simon Cowell level success themselves. Um, so and they're on but, his record label apparently. So Simon yes, Cowell gets that. the money whichever way round <laughs> yeah, he gets. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yes, they are. They're on they're on his record label. So I so think, so what does that it's tell you? It tells you that people are stupid. It, it tells, tells you that Simon Cowell runs the world. But it, it says that Simon yeah. Cowell must have signed off on that. Oh God, Gary, your conspiracy theories are getting even better. Why must he have signed off on it? Because surely you can just start downloading stuff. Or was it not up there for download before this campaign? Or I don't know. No, I think Gary means that Simon Cowell's behind the whole thing for more publicity. For, oh, right. Yeah, right. yeah I think he's being properly conspiracy theory there. But I, I mean, I do think that I would really love it if, um, if Rage Against the Machine was number one, even despite all those caveats. I think uh, I kind of, yeah, because I, I would just love anything to be number one than the X Factor single because it's just, it is becoming ridiculous. You know, every single Christmas, how many years is this going to go on for? I mean, okay, Cliff Richard was bad enough, but at least there was, you know, some possibility of what's, someone else. What's wrong with the Millennium Prayer, you cynic? Yeah. <laughs> 
yes, it's lovely. Well, just the fact that Richard became quite predictable, didn't he? It was like if he released a song, that would be number one. I almost wish he would just to see if that would work, you know. They should have picked up so I did it again instead of Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, if he does win it, it will be the fifth year in a row that this has been the case. Yeah. Because um, last year it was Alexander Burke, it was Leon Jackson. Who? Um, then before that it was Leona Lewis, Shane Ward. Uh, they had a year, a couple of years off before that. It was Band Aid and then um, Michael Andrews and Gary Jewell's Mad World before that. And 2002 it was uh, Girls Aloud, uh, which was oh. another. Um, yeah. Another one, wasn't it? Yeah, whatever happened to um, what's his name Shane Ward is he back in Borstal now with the rest of his <laughs> um, <laughs> he had a, he had a song um, a couple of years ago but uh, he really hasn't been um, seen of but I, I just think that some of these people they really feel they're going to have this big long um, musical career and I, I don't you know necessarily think that um, you know Joe does feel that I think he probably feels he's going to have a long entertainment career and I think that um, he'll probably have a bit of a hit with this and a couple of other songs maybe an album but um i think musical theater um is what's calling out to that young man in oh so many ways <laughs> well i think um, I ray quinn's still going isn't he so yeah and also to be fair that that boy joe he's he's got a very good voice um you know probably the best voice on the show yeah but it is it's probably more of a musical theater voice because that's the thing with those pure voices they tend not to lend themselves to being pop stars where that other boy probably was more of a pop star i think the ollie boy yeah yeah potentially yeah but jedward are the real winners of course so. <laughs> but, uh, but um, I, I'm, I'm really liking um alexandra burke actually have you seen her in the papers today she oh. uh, she she left a fashion party because everyone was taking drugs and that wasn't her thing and i thought good for you good for you you know it's pretty you know let's take a lot of courage to just say well look that's not for me at that age yeah when, yeah. when you're in that environment and um, and she's investing all her money in property very sensible she's not I don't, putting it I up. don't particularly like her new yeah. song but yeah. she's not putting it up a nose or you know Pissing it up yeah. against a wall. Good for no, you, Alexandra. Good for her. And also, I that do she quite know- like her song, despite dodgy lyrics and and you know, uh, yeah, bad politics. But uh, yeah, that, no, that was that was a year ago, um, and that wasn't her song, really. No, 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 no. The, the one she's got out now. Patrick's oh, really? talking about her new single. The bad yeah. boys. You must have heard it, Carrie. Yes, I have heard like it. Every two minutes in every venue, it's, everywhere. I just don't like it. Yeah. You mean this song? I just think it's a bit um, dull. It's it just, yeah, I don't like it. I find it irritating. Her, her it's it's really catchy. I will say it gets on your brain the whole day. Yeah, and I hate that. That's one of my pet hates with songs is when they become earworms and you can't get them out of your head. You mean this song? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't. Don't die before the end of the podcast. No, and certainly don't die before you get to the end of the queue in the post office, Patrick. Oh, 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 loving your work. Uh, how long were you in the queue this week? I mean, I have to say everybody. The queue was like halfway. I mean, the queues from post offices almost joined up around the land this year. They, they were yeah. so long. I, I, was a, I was about half an hour in one queue. I will, I will hand it to the post office. When I got there, the queue was out of the door and around the corner. 
and there must this is the parcel collection queue and there must have been i would say at least 40 people in front of me but they did have three people working the counter which is right. unheard of it's usually only one surly sulky illiterate but um but you know you just think how on earth are you losing money you know you're either not charging enough or you're you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just unreal. And even all through the year, you know, every time I go into the post office, there's a queue out the door. Um, and so, yeah. so they're either doing stuff that doesn't make any money, which I suspect is true, like handing out benefits that must make no money at all. Or and they probably have a lot of inefficient work practices too. But it is quite striking when, you know, you have a monopoly and you have people queuing out the door and you're still losing money. It's unbelievable. And it yeah, is the people that are there to um, do the services that, that cause the queues. What I really want, and I've said this before, and you know what, I'm probably going to say this again. They need to have a couple of windows that are there for people to post stuff. Because when I go to the post office, the only reason I go to the post office now, because I can do my driving license, my passport, all through the post, I don't need to go to the post office for that. I only go for posting stuff. And you have to stand there while everybody get their pension, they get their... I mean, all these things can be done electronically and it's just unbelievable that people want to stand in these queues on a weekly well, basis. Yeah. I remember when they first offered to bring in that paying your benefit into your bank account and everyone went mental. They were like, oh, what about this and what about that? We can't do this and we can't do this. Oh, for God's sake, so you want to go and stand there for an hour and then get mugged on the way home rather than <laughs> just have it paid straight into your bank account. Rather than people go... Are, people are crazy. They are really, really crazy. I mean, I have to say that if I was in their situation, I would just want to get up, go to the cash machine which is nearest the pub um, or, or maybe even just give the, the cash card straight to the landlord. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or, and then get home to watch Kyle. Yeah. But the uh, thing is that I agree with you about the um, about that, about the, pen, the money being paid into the bank account, but I guess a lot of people don't have access to online things to do some of the other stuff. So, But I, I think you're right, Gary. They should separate it out and just have like a couple of windows for um, financial transactions um, and also your driver's license stuff and your passport stuff. And then um, the rest of it should be for posting. But yeah. the, the queue I was in, I mean, they had – you know again this is like probably a common complaint but they had enough windows for about seven or eight windows to be open and they only had three open and oh, no, I that's find the, that really annoying has anyone ever been in a post office where or even at any shop actually where all the available windows have been open at once no ever? No, it's just, and and you could see the, and it's that thing where you see the other staff kind of wandering around, trying not to make eye oh, contact. Yes, with looking you. gorgeous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and trying to look busy, like carrying a piece of paper back and forth. <laughs> That's what was happening on at the post office the other day. There was this guy just kind of walking behind them and like just adjusting bits of paper and picking up a box and putting it in another space, and you know. And here's it's, an idea. Here's an idea. Sorry. Here's an idea that the post office can have for free, and this is going to help them, okay? So this is, this is not just a joke. This is something which they could do. They could start it tomorrow, and it would help. Uh, when they have really busy times, like first thing in the morning or lunch times especially, one member of staff becomes the queue monitor. They just walk up and down the queue, asking everybody what they're doing in the post office and helping people. And, you know, so maybe you have that post-only queue as well that they can divert these people to. If people have got questions, about their driving license or their passport or stuff, this person can help them. They can give them the form. They can make sure it's all filled in properly before they get to the counter. Because I go into the post office and you see people almost having arguments with people behind the counter because they don't understand. Yeah. 
yeah, people yeah. are thick. You know, you have to. Yeah, you get a lot of that. Yeah. I have to. I have to say, you know, in, in, in some of the post offices in central London, they do do that, Gary. Q monitor. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. In, I've seen it. I'll say it now for any post office staff listening in um, the Hoban branch and the Trafalgar Square branch. Okay, so, well, um, obviously it's a brilliant idea that I've just come up with <laughs> and should be rolled out across to yes, all post I've offices. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, on the on your other point, I haven't tried this yet, but I've seen they've instituted a new queuing system at the Trafalgar Square post office. So just to give you that extra touch of the Soviet Union, instead of queuing <laughs> up, you have to now take a number and wait for it to be called. No, so I, I haven't. No. I haven't investigated that more. Closely. Closely. So maybe oh you, press, you press, you know, you get a certain number, like a number starting with four or something if you're paying in and this sort of thing. So there is scope for it. But yeah, yeah. when I saw them installing So it's it, like thought, Argos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I we do es- we estimated that, your pension will be available for collection in 2012. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I prefer that or not, because at least in, in the queue you can sort of see it moving forward and you also you had the guilty pleasure of seeing people you know when you get to the front you see all the people at the end who are where you were and you've kind of over them but um but uh which you don't really get with one of those number systems yeah but the thing i quite like about it is you can be lazy and sit down and wait (laughs) you don't have to sort of stand and gradually move forward (laughs) you're assuming there'll be chairs well, yes, yes I am assuming. But I could, I could go and lean somewhere on, on a pole or a wall or something rather than stand and sort of shuffle, which I hate. But that's just laziness. So this is the part of the podcast where we discuss things that went to hell in a handcart. Um, it's that one thing. It could be a person, a book, a play, an event, a point in history. Um, something that we can hold up and say it all went to hell in a handcart when. Um, and Patrick, I believe you have a suggestion this week. Oh, yes. I was flicking through the Christmas television guide and I saw that possibly the worst film of all time is being shown next week love actually who likes it <laughs> so is that when everything went to hell in a handcart well the fact that it was a it was made b it was released c it was acclaimed as wonderful <laughs> it's like you know i mean it's just terrible every single frame it's like you know as a friend of mine it's like being raped in the eyes when you're sitting there and watching it it's just horrific Patrick, I, you can't oh, use that expression oh, it's terrible gary there's an edit there for you <laughs> it's just, I, I i watched it you know i i i had a look at it with an open mind i said you know a lot of people like this but you know i my jaw just kept getting further and further to the ground as it got worse and worse and worse i just it it, it words are failing me at this point you can see gary and i just sitting here thinking actually i quite liked it oh, <laughs> what was that song from love actually i don't know um i don't know which song there wasn't a really oh a, they iconic that song. awful bill nye who i can't stand um, oh yes bill nye did did something didn't he he? Did, he did some sort of song in it which i've yeah. mercifully erased from my memory and i don't want it back yeah um, i actually don't mind it do you know i did, i quite enjoyed it <laughs> i have to say I think partly because I just loved Emma Thompson in it. I have. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't mind the odd crap film. I've, I've seen Titanic a number of times. I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. But, see, I think um, it's better than Titanic. Oh my god, oh, Heather, you're so definitely. so wrong. No, <laughs> so definitely. so wrong. But you know, um, I think that's, no, actually, that's no. Hard. It wasn't. It wasn't better than Titanic. 
But how it, didn't, it didn't have Leo DiCaprio in it. How could it be? Leonardo Deladio. Awful. Oh, I just can't bear it. Yeah, there wasn't really any big song in that film. Um, Girls Aloud had one in there. The Sugar Babes, Kelly Clarkson, Dido, um, Eva Cassidy. I wonder if you're thinking of Four Weddings, because they're all like the Hugh Grant films, aren't they? They're all the same. Yes. crossed with Colin Firth crossed with <laughs> in, in fact Amazon say customers who bought this also bought Notting Hill Bridget Jones's diary for weddings oh, and funeral yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. and in actual fact um, I actually like <laughs> oh brilliant Patrick your Christmas present sorted again um, Amazon have bundled this up I can get you love actually Notting Hill and Bridget Jones for £12.74 <laughs> Oh, that's so nice. Gary, you're so sweet. So he's just clicked on the order this now and sent it back. <laughs> and I, I, I have Amazon Prime, so you'll probably have it on Monday. Um, oh, dear. He needs, it, he needs it in time to watch so that he can watch it a few times. Gruesome, gruesome. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, and but, you what- know, don't forget, Patrick has an allergy to oestrogen. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and this is just another illustration of your allergy, just like we have before. Do you know, I think I would almost rather watch um, Sex and the City than than any of those films. It's it's a close call. It's a close call. No, I think think they're they're remarkably wittier than, than... You mean the Sex and the City film? I've only ever seen one episode of Sex in the City and Billy killed myself after. I, know, I was going to say, <laughs> I can't imagine you coping. I think I think these are probably easier to cope with because at least they're slightly more normal. I, I went through a whole set of dentures watching that one episode. There's <laughs> teeth grinding going on. <laughs> You've got no teeth left. Uh, oh, terrible people. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just diving onto a dictionary here. Um, do you know what the, the phrase "draw a line" means? Uh, let it go. Yeah. Reasonably object to or set a limit on. Uh, draw a line when it comes <clears throat> to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So for the final time, we're talking about this. Dawn French still in the top ten book chart. I have to say, I think I almost ranted out today. But, <laughs> but yes, it is quite astounding. Is there anyone in Britain who doesn't have a copy of her book? Everyone must have multiple copies by now. Who's buying you know, it? I think it's probably quite good. Mm. <laughs> I've Come- heard good things about it. Oh, well, you know, you're, you're the one who dissed Martine McCutcheon, who wrote her own book. Yeah. So, yes. Mm. Yes, yeah, but so did Dawn French, I'm sure. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I think I think Dawn French probably is, yeah, got got the edge there. <laughs> <laughs> At least in intelligence and humour. I don't know. I, I think um, um, somebody should uh, um, call the. Uh, uh, Royal Society for Protection of Cruelty to Actresses for, on Patrick on that one. Yes. But somebody who called the, R- the Royal Society for Protection of Cruelty to Animals reveals silliest phone calls from the public. Oh, well, there's going to be no shortage of candidates where the public is concerned. Apparently it? a woman telephoned the RSPCA to demand they take a spider from her bathroom sink while another called asking <laughs> inspectors to remove ladybirds climbing up the wall in his house. <laughs> One driver called the RSPCA to report a slow-moving tortoise on the hard shoulder of a motorway. 
And another woman called the RSPCA's emergency telephone number to ask them to reserve a chair she saw in the charity shop window. (laughs) (laughs) And my favourite is the one who called to report a seagull looking sad. (laughs) (laughs) Not on drugs, honestly. (laughs) Were they going to send like a psychotherapist out for the seagull? (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, but the thing is, yeah, the risk of sounding like a male reporter. Um, if if the operator had said to any of these people, "Get a life, you idiot," you know, they would have been, you know, pilloried. Yeah, yeah well, the thing is, understanding the patient and all this sort of nonsense. I know they have they have um, to come out, don't they? And and uh, with the the person who called and said there was a bat on their bedroom ceiling, and when they when they got there, it was a patch of damp. <laughs> <laughs> I think they needed spec savers more than they needed yeah. RSPCA. <laughs> I thought my eyesight was bad, God. Oh, you'd think you'd try and dislodge the bat, wouldn't you, just to see what happened, and then you'd realise it was damned. <laughs> oh. Finally, we need to bring it back to Christmas and uh, the story that Boozy Santa sets a bad example to kids, warns experts today. Apparently, the merry old chap promotes obesity by eating and drinking too much, and they accuse him of drink driving by slipping sherry, uh, or sipping sherry even, uh, during his sleigh round. Swine flu has it, soot makes Santa sneeze. He ignores safety rules by not wearing a seat belt or a helmet being a swine flu hazard as he probably doesn't use a tissue when the soot makes him sneeze as the song says Santa got stuck up the chimney. The experts writing in the British Medical Journey Journal claim Santa is in a unique position to influence kids with films worldwide using him to sell products. Good grief. <laughs> Who's funding this research? I knew you'd say that. I was thinking, as soon as Patrick sees his story, he's going to be worried about who funded the research. Uh, well, <laughs> and honestly, someone's paying but it's for true. this. Yeah, it's true, because you hear the story this week that the government is talking about removing research from, like, particle physics and all this kind of thing. And you think, you know, these are actually physicists trying to um, solve our energy problems and things, and they're removing money. And they fund research into Santa being a bit chubby and you know it's just it is absolute waste of money Dr. Dr. Nathan Grills of Monash University, Melbourne, Australia, says he could be used for boosting healthy living in the same way Ronald McDonald promotes burgers. Rackoff Scott. <laughs> Rackoff Scott. <laughs> did he say that at the end? <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> oh, dear. Because Ronald McDonald's such a good role model. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how funny, how ridiculous Santa will look in that suit if he loses all this weight and gets like a six pack from all the sit ups he's been doing? <laughs> Uh-huh. And stops drinking so that um, he doesn't have the rosy cheeks. And he lo- he'll look like a pale vegan. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realise Santa drank. That's how out of the loop I am. I think they just mean because, you know, people leave sherry out and brandy and things for Santa, don't they? Oh, which, yeah. of course, which, of course, the parents drink when they go down the stairs to put the presents out. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear! I think it'd be People great if I think it'd be great if Santa went from rotund to ripped in just like a year, and then suddenly Santa comes back next year, and it's, it looks like something from a Calvin Klein ad. Yes, <laughs> a 
it would be really funny actually and he oh, could have like a designer beard instead of his beard <laughs> you could imagine people putting it on an ironing board cover or something like that for board housewives uh, yeah <laughs> Well, I think that we're slowly but surely drawing a veil over 2009. Another whole year close to the grave. I've certainly been close to the grave this week. I've been so sick. Oh, no. Yes, I've been off work. That's not good. Well, at least you've got your Dawn French books to keep you company. Yeah, yeah. All five zillion copies sold. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll have a lovely surprise when the... uh, well, have a great Christmas, you two. I will do. Thank you. And we'll talk to you in 2010. Yes, gosh. End of a decade. Cheers. All right, Bye-bye. speak to you then. Bye. Bye.